0: 18-year-old Mary Rachel Carson, known to her friends as Shelly, was found brutally beaten to death in a traffic circle of a quiet neighborhood in Virginia Beach, Virginia on August fourteenth, two 2005. Her case has yet to be solved. It was, in fact, reopened in August of 2020, but we'll get to that later. Now, she was found in the neighborhood of Kings Grant, and for those of you who are unaware of the Virginia Beach area, or maybe you've never been, Virginia Beach is actually um, 400 square miles. So it's not a smaller area. And a lot of people actually get duped booking hotels or Airbnbs thinking they're going to be right near the the water, near the oceanfront, just because it has a Virginia Beach address. I am actually local to Virginia Beach, and I'm still a good 20 minutes away from where this murder occurred and still a good 25 minutes in another direction of the oceanfront So Shelley was alive and well just two hours before her body was discovered, and surveillance from the nearby 7-Eleven captured Shelley visiting with a friend who worked there before leaving on her bike at 3.50 in the morning. That friend actually accompanied her for a good distance of her about 11-minute ride home. So in Navy SEAL, Virginia Beach is also home to many military installations, he had seen Shelley entering King's Grand Circle, heading toward her home. On August 14th, between 4 a.m. and 4.15 a.m., he observed Shelly and her bike entering the circle and going to the right with traffic. For those of you who are unaware of traffic laws, when you ride your bike, you're supposed to go with traffic. And when you walk, you're supposed to walk against traffic. So she was going to the right, riding with traffic. And he remembered that as he started to go around the circle, Shelly turned her head to look at him and she rode her bike into the circle. He then passed her and turned right onto Kings Grant Road, heading toward his home, a block and a half from Shelley's. A second witness, out walking his dog, had seen Shelley further down the road at 4.06 a.m., still riding her bike. And at 6.08 a.m., just about two hours later, a driver passing through the traffic circle discovered the gruesome scene and called police. Now, the bicycle Shelley had been riding all night was found discarded nearby in the grass. Her parents Bill and Charlotte Carson had gone to church that morning with their son both her son their son and daughter Shelley were adopted and in fact only 40 days apart in age they were also adopted as infants so their life with Bill and Charlotte was really all that they ever knew Bill was retired navy a commander in the navy and began a job a career as a teacher after retiring from the navy and his wife Charlotte was also a teacher so they had assumed that Shelly had stayed the night at her fiance's place the night before and would return home later. Now, whether you're looking at um, different news sources, I believe 13 News Now in this area, and then the Justice for Shelly blog that I will link below, that they both call uh, it's the boyfriend, I believe his name was Bobby, the but. Bo- the Bobby, the boyfriend or the fiance. So you may see him referred to as different things, but he refers to himself as her fiance. Just to clear that up, if you see any discrepancies. So they assumed that she had stayed the night at her fiance's place and would return home later. Now on their way, they noticed police tape up at the traffic circle, but they didn't really think anything of it because why would you assume that it was your daughter or that in this nice affluent neighborhood that it was a heinous murder? He ended up driving back to the scene after hearing that a woman had been found dead there. He had left his son and wife at church and drove back. He approached a police officer and was told to grab a photo of Shelly. And upon viewing the photo, police asked Bill if Shelly had owned a pair of pink tennis shoes, to which he so unfortunately replied yes. She was so badly beaten that it was these pink tennis shoes that are that what ultimately identified her body. According to 13 News Now, Detective Kevin Finelli with the Virginia Beach Cold Case Unit said that Shelley was laying on her back, partially under some trees. Her shirt was pulled up, exposing her upper torso, and she was naked from the waist down, her face bloodied and unrecognizable. EMS pronounced her dead at the scene, and the autopsy revealed her cause of death to be blunt force trauma to the head. Finelli also disclosed that it was evident that a sexual act had been, quote, attempted but we cannot be certain of what exactly that means. Her pants were nowhere to be found and to this day have not been found. And police speculate that the pants could have been taken by the killer as an attempt to cover evidence, could have been taken as a trophy, or even dragged away by an animal, as 13 News Now reports. But I would be inclined to lean toward the killer neglecting to return them to the, quote, dump site, which I'll return to discuss in more detail shortly. Various news reports also indicate that there were beer cans, cigarette butts, and a rose nearby, but that they may not even be related to the case. In one interview, Shelly's dad, Bill, disclosed that Shelly was someone who had a lot of partners, a lot of friends, and knew a lot of people. He also said that she had started getting trouble around age 14, using drugs, hanging out with the wrong crowd, and while it's known that she dabbled in drug use and hard drug use previously, Her toxicology report actually showed nothing in her system at the time of death. I believe that she was, in fact, clean that night. But from what I understand with speculation in neighboring communities and from connecting with some people that I know that grew up in this area, it's understood that she used hard drugs and drugs that could be out of your system within like 12 to 48 hours. So what I'm seeing is her riding her bike from 7-Eleven and entering the traffic circle. And just so you know, in case you didn't catch it, I am transitioning to the part of the show where I talk about what I feel about the case. Because frankly, this is all that has been publicly released. And the really interesting thing about this case is that no one has covered it as far as podcasts go or as far as YouTube channels go or documentaries go. So this one Was a little more difficult to research. And it was absolutely something that came with a lot of rabbit holes to go down, which I will happily post for you to get lost in as well. Because after feeling into things, I like to do my research, which is how I get the first part of the show for you. But when I say that mediums are not here to solve crimes, I mean that. What we see are tiny pieces of the puzzle. We don't see the whole puzzle. We don't understand every single thing that happened. So if you feel that there are still holes here, there are. But what's interesting also is that I was able to run past a couple friends of mine, what I had seen, and they were able to piece together a couple things for me just from being from the area and from growing up in that same time, being that She was murdered in 2005 at 18 years old. I graduated high school in 2007, so we're really close in age. She, in fact, would have graduated the same year as my brother. I didn't grow up here, though. Anyway, what I'm seeing is her riding her bike home from 7-Eleven and entering the traffic circle. Once she enters the traffic circle, she veers off to the right on her bike, and a light, large sedan enters the circle going the opposite way. They tap her with the car so that she falls off of the bike. And I see them following her from Seven Eleven, but because she was accompanied by her friend who she had been visiting, she wasn't approached until her friend had left her to finish her ride on her own. So this was a male friend of hers. You will also hear that she had been in a fight with her fiancé, but it's understood that that fight was allegedly concluded. They made up. They had... Um, patched things over and they were okay and I do not believe that he is any longer considered a suspect but I don't know that for sure. In fact, police are hesitant to even now release any suspect names or let anyone know that anyone is even a person of interest in the case. If you do any kind of online sleuthing, you'll see that all you can find are initials and no one will talk about anyone using full names. So after knocking her from her bike, I think that they realized they had in fact, actually injured her, and they then get her into the car. It is at this time that these two young males, who are at most around 20 years old or so, possibly younger, and as a side note into mediumship and the fact that every medium sees things differently, what I will say is that I have a tendency to see males as younger than they actually are, but in revisiting and in focusing on this detail for quite a while, I really do believe this is the age that they are. I think I usually identify with maturity levels, but this is definitely their age. I also believe they're pretty high on some sort of hard drug. I would lead toward, lean toward cocaine, cocaine. I'm so sorry. This has been a long day in the rest of the world here today. Um, I would lean toward cocaine, but I'll be completely honest and let you know that my drug knowledge and my familiarity with hard drugs is pretty lacking. Judging how amped up they feel, though, I would say that they've been drinking and doing cocaine. So they're pretty, excuse me, fucked up. Anyway, I think that they hit her. They knock her off of her bike. They throw her into the backseat of this larger sedan. And they leave her bike there in King's Grand Traffic Circle. So they probably took her around 5 a.m. This isn't psychic. This is me trying to add logic to this. If they take her around 5 a.m., they had about an hour to return her back to where she was eventually found and where they had grabbed her from to begin with. So I think at this point, they drive her to another friend of theirs who does happen to live in the neighborhood. Now there's two to three other people hanging out here and it looks to me like two or more young people and someone a bit older, excuse me, two, two more young people and someone a bit older than they were. Now, remember there are some details that I wouldn't feel comfortable sharing on this podcast as the case has actually been reopened as of August, 2020, but the area looks to me as if it's wooded and like there's a mix of dirt and sand. Now the dirt and sand isn't unusual for this area either. But I do think that it's pretty close to water. Whether it's that immediate property or a property very, very close to it, they're very, very close to the water. And this property, this neighborhood, has a lot of little lake inlets. I'm probably using the wrong terms because I didn't grow up near water. I just moved to it within the last 10, 15 years or so. So anyway, I see around the property woods, I see leaves, I see dirt, I see sand. It looks to me like the water is nearby. And I do have a few friends who have also lived in that neighborhood. And I I really believe that this, I know that this neighborhood has a fair amount of trees and the property there is right near the water. I believe they finished actually beating her to death with whatever they found nearby on this friend's property. I think that they grabbed some tools like a hammer And I believe that they also used wooden boards. Now, I'm saying they. I don't believe that all four or five people took part in the actual beating and murdering of poor Shelly. I feel that it was at least two of them, possibly a third. From there, I think they removed her pants to make it appear as if she had been sexually assaulted and then used a different vehicle. So I don't think that a sexual assault was actually attempted. I think that they made it appear as if it had been. And they used a different vehicle, a larger vehicle, like a truck or a van to take her back to the traffic circle where her bike was still located, laying near the roadside. I think they dragged her to that vehicle so she would have had dirt and scrapes all over her body, especially the parts of her that were clothed. I think the way that they dragged her, the dirt would have gone up her shirt and it would have dragged on her. I believe that the, excuse me, that there are in fact two locations and two vehicles used in the commissioning of this crime. And I think that the, the older person is the one who discovered that these young morons actually forgot to bring her pants with them and leave them at the crime scene. And I think that he took it upon himself to burn them to rid the evidence so that it couldn't come back to him at all. Now, with that being said, and this part is kind of a little bit of, I, After feeling into this, one of the first things, as I've explained in other episodes, but if this is your first one, I do an initial feel-in, and then I circle back to see what still resonates. And the first time that I felt into it when I looked at Shelly's picture, the first thing I heard was drugs, gang, wrong way. So I feel like she was headed the wrong way in her life. And while she was given this beautiful opportunity of being adopted into this really loving family, and I do really feel like Bill and Charlotte were just beautiful people who really gave their children every opportunity that they could. I think that she didn't know exactly where she fit in. So I do think that these guys have some sort of gang affiliation and that Shelly may have as well, whether she was just hanging out with people who were in a gang or if she was actually involved I think that she was a sweet girl who was looking for her own way in life, and maybe she was a hard worker and maybe she was well-intentioned, but I think that she was also battling demons that she didn't even really understand or know about, and that she struggled with what was wrong versus right and what fit her versus didn't. She didn't feel she fit into the affluent lifestyle of her parents, nor did she feel she fit into the drug scene. Desperate to fit in with anyone, I think she fell into the wrong crowd. And when she decided she was in the wrong crowd and didn't like what she was seeing of that lifestyle, I feel like they had some sort of like loose end to tie up, so to speak. And what's really interesting to me is that there are things that I know I'm unable to see about this. And in the past, when I have felt things that I'm not supposed to see, I have come to the conclusion that it's either for my own safety or for the safety of others. So. It's kind of like the universe saying, hey girl, we know that you like to push the envelope a little too far, so we're going to stop you from even seeing this. So I think that the tap with the car into the bike would have been a warning, but that warning went entirely wrong because she fell and hit her head and everything else was to cover their asses. So ask ourselves, why hasn't anyone come forward? It's my understanding that the main assailant has a reputation that has led others to fear him. And I don't believe that anyone feels comfortable in coming forward or that they wouldn't be targeted or that they, they wouldn't trust that they wouldn't be targeted even now if they did. So what's even more sad is that both Bill and Charlotte have passed away before knowing what happened to their daughter that early morning in August of 2005. This case has about a million and one rabbit holes, like I said, to go down once you start. When I felt into it, I originally had a lot of gaps and confusion. Like I said, after speaking to a few people who grew up in this area who were able to confirm much of what I saw and fill in the gaps of my visions with their knowledge in the area, so much of it started to make sense. I really feel like this crime could have been prevented, but also that she would have probably had to move far away to escape this person. I know that there were other threats made. I know that there are so many things that I could go into I also like to keep these episodes around 20 minutes or less, and I know we're hitting on that time. If you guys have questions, feel free to post them on my Instagram to send them to me via messenger. I would love to go in and do a QA and a for a future episode on this episode. And don't forget, too, that as part of the Patreon groups, you're able to go in, ask questions, and possibly even interview a victim who is on the other side at the end of each month. This month, it looks like we are going to be interviewing JonBenet Ramsey and her mother Patsy. And that is something that the Patreons have voted on as you could as well. And there's plenty more to be involved in as, as well as private readings in that Patreon group. So if you're interested in going down this rabbit hole anymore, justiceforshelly.com. Shelley.com. I'll post that link below. It's where much of my information has come from, as well as 13 news now. I do plan on looking farther into this case because I'm hooked now and I want to see more of what it is that I'm seeing and have a better understanding of it. But that's it for now, you guys. And if there's anything that you know, if these names, if if anything makes sense to you or is sparking a memory for you, I know I have a large listening audience in this area. Please report it to the authorities. Please report it to Justice for Shelley, or please report it to Crime Stoppers. Call the Virginia Beach Police Department. The case has been reopened and it's so important that this poor girl is spoken for and that we bring her killers to justice. I do think that they will be found and I don't know if this will have anything to do with it, but I can only hope that it does and that we're doing our our due diligence to find justice for those who can no longer find it for themselves. All right, everybody, stay safe, and I'll see you next week.